James chapter 1. These first few verses I'm going to go through kind of quickly. I made the statement last uh, Wednesday evening that I'm either going to plant these verses if you've never heard them before. Most of you probably have heard them before, so we'll water them. Amen. We'll water them. And um, I want us to look at a couple of verses in James 1 tonight, and then we'll um, look at a couple in Mark 11, and then we'll use that kind of as a springboard uh, for what the Holy Spirit has prepared for us. Praise God. Okay, um, James chapter 1 and verse number 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, clearly, if someone is asking God for wisdom, they have some level of belief that there is a God, or else they wouldn't be asking Him. And the fact that they believe there is a God and they're asking Him for wisdom kind of says to me that, you know, they believe this God has some wisdom to give. Amen? Are you seeing this? But yet He says, if the man who believes there is a God and has wisdom to give Him, if he asks with doubt in his heart, that man should not expect or suppose that he will receive wisdom from the Lord or anything else from the Lord. Now, if this sounds harsh to you, if this sounds like too high of a bar or too great of a standard to live up to, I'm offering to you tonight that you, you're looking at it wrong. This, you know, God did create the heavens and the earth. This is His ways, his system, his ways are the ways of faith. And um, let me say it another way. Don't get upset with this verse. Be thankful that he told you. Be thankful that, that this is how it is. And, and so we got some learning to do. We got some growing to do. We got some understanding to do. But this is as much the Bible as John 3.16. Okay. Now, let's go to Mark 11. Amen. Mark 11. As you turn there, praise God. Men, we have a men's breakfast. We have a men's breakfast Saturday morning. Tommy Billings is going to bring the word at our men's breakfast. Um, so we're excited about that. If you like to cook, be here at 7. If you like to eat, be here at 8. Amen. All right. Mark 11. I should have made that announcement earlier, but I just, I'm so excited about the word, I just blew right past that. Mark 11 and verse number... 22, Mark eleven twenty-two. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. One translation says, Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, this was an object lesson. Jesus, the day before, had spoken to a fig tree. He and His disciples moved on. They came back the next day and the fig tree was dried up from the roots. 
they were astonished that the tree was withered and had died that Jesus had spoken to. As I've said so many times, Jesus would have been astonished if it hadn't have dried up. There are people who try to read all kinds of hidden meaning into fig tree, blowing in the wind, all sort of stuff. I'm not saying that's not there, but let's not miss the primary reason for all of this. And that was to teach you and me, his disciples, you and me, something very important about faith. Once they noticed that he had spoken to it and dried up, Jesus looks at them and says, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith, have faith in God. In other words, I'm showing you how faith works. I'm showing you how to release faith. I'm showing you how to use faith. For assuredly, anytime you see assuredly, Jesus is about to tell you something that seems to be extreme, that seems to be unbelievable, too good to be true, or too extreme to be true, but is. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart. Notice there that that is again, though, that, that one thing, that, that some people see it as that catch, right? You know, the doubting in the heart, right? Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, we were created by God to receive from Him by faith. And we were created by God to deal with problems by faith. Look at your neighbor and, and make this confession. Look at him and say, I solve problems with faith. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. I solve problems with faith. Amen. I solve problems with faith. All right, now, from time to time, and I, I like to listen to a, a lot of different preachers, but... Um, I don't always listen to myself, but the Holy Spirit really laid it on my heart to listen to last Wednesday night's sermon. I can just tell you straight up, that was the Holy Spirit. That was not me, okay? I mean, it was me, but it was Him through me. Let's say that, Him in me. I've said before, I'm not going to say this because every time we're together, if the Lord's speaking to us, it's important, and that's the most important time. That's one of the most important and maybe one of the most powerful sermons the Lord's ever enabled me to preach. I encourage you, I encourage you, if you were here or if you were not, please listen to that sermon. I heard myself say things in that sermon that I didn't know I said. I'm not trying to get spooky on you, I'm just telling you, okay? And one of the things that stood out to me was at the end of the sermon last Wednesday night, we had a prayer, end of the service, we had a prayer, and in that prayer, I said... Father, show us, or something to the effect, I used the word, and it's the title of the sermon tonight. The title of the sermon tonight is Quasi-Faith. Quasi-Faith. Let me put it up on the screen, in case you're taking notes. Quasi-Faith. Q-U-A-S-I hyphen faith. Quasi-Faith. I said, Lord, what, what is that? And I was, Again, I heard myself say it, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is, and I'm saying it, right? So I looked it up. See, he's teaching me just like he's teaching you. Quasi means seemingly, apparently, but not really, being partly 
or almost. Quasi-faith. Seemingly faith, apparently faith, but not really faith. Being partly faith or almost faith, but still not genuine faith. This is quasi-faith. You were created by God to receive everything you need, everything you desire, everything you want from Him by faith. And you were created by God to use the measure of faith that He gave you to solve problems on this planet. I want to say that about seven more times. I want to get you to say it about 17 more times because we've got to renew our minds to that. We've got to realize that this is how we were created. This is how we were designed to live. Does life have problems? Amen. Yes, it does. But the just live by faith. We don't live by faith until there's a problem and then switch over to another modus operandi, or however you say that word, another way of doing things. We live by faith. That means when we have problems, we solve those problems by faith. God gave you faith to fix things. Amen. Now, I'm going to give it to you the way He gave it to me, okay? Any and every problem. Not just the big ones, but the small ones. Any and every problem. Small problems, big problems, and any size in between problems are to be fixed by faith, to be solved by faith. Now let me give you an idea of what the Lord means when He says you were created to fix problems by faith. Problems that can be fixed by faith, including but not limited to the following list. If you can't pay your light bill, that's a problem. That can be fixed by faith. If you can't find your car keys, that's a problem that can be fixed by faith. If you don't have a car and need one, that's a problem that can be fixed by faith. If you do have a car, but the car you have needs new tires, that's a problem that can be fixed by faith. If you're hooked on heroin, that's a problem that can also be solved by faith. If you have a sinus infection, that's a problem that can be fixed by faith. If you have pancreatic cancer, that's a problem that can also be fixed by faith. If you have a learning disability, if you have a rebellious child, if you have a lost spouse, or if you are unemployed tonight, that's a problem. All of those are problems. And the one thing that they all have in common is that they can all be resolved by faith. If you're battling depression, experiencing anxiety, or if you were consumed with anger, 
Some people would say that's an emotional problem. That's a mental problem. I don't care what words you put in front of the problem. It's a problem that can be resolved by faith. This is for somebody in particular tonight. If you have issues digesting food, that's a problem that can be fixed by faith. If you have a toothache, a headache, a backache, or any other kind of ache. Come on now, I got the right bunch tonight. A headache, a toothache, a backache, or any ache. It's a problem. It can be fixed by faith. There is no such thing as a problem too big or too hard for faith. There's no such thing as a problem too small or too easy for faith. There's no such thing as a problem too random or too unique for faith. I got so much to tell you, I was like, Lord, let's just leave that part out. Don't you leave that out. You got folks who think problems are too big for faith. You got people who think problems are too small for faith. You were created by God to solve problems by faith. Any problem, every problem, problems of any kind, problems of any size. Faith should be our first thought. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is how, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The world is speaking or at least the use of it here, this word world in this verse, it's speaking of the world's system. Now I want you to follow me very closely tonight because we're going to lay some foundation for some things that we've already kind of put in place, but we're going to backfill some things tonight, then we're going to go on up higher and higher with it all, okay? Again, this word in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 Speaking of us overcoming the world, victorious over the world, by faith, is speaking of the world's system. This is a system that is ruled by the devil himself. It is something that he has orchestrated to deceive mankind by taking advantage of mankind's need for solutions and provisions. When we see some kind of natural disaster, people who have lost their homes, people who are in need of things like gasoline or drinking water, inevitably you see where someone goes in, some store goes in, and it's called price gouging. 
It's where someone is in desperate need of a, of a, of a, a roof over their head. And so the hotel that normally charges 100 bucks for a room charges 300 bucks for the room. When a gallon of gasoline costs, you know, $2, they try to jack it up to 6 bucks because they know people have got to have it. They've got to have it for their generators. They've got to have it. And so they're trying to take advantage of folks who are in a, a, at a disadvantage, who are, who are in, a, in a situation where they're, they're desperate and, and so the, the, uh, the, the not-so-ethical uh, uh, or kind entrepreneur sees an opportunity to take advantage of people. This is the same mindset behind the enemy. When, when Adam and Eve fell and separated themselves from their source, separated themselves from the God who was supplying all of their needs, now all of a sudden the enemy saw an opening, right? to set up a counterfeit system alongside the system that God had put in place and offer it as a substitute for mankind to come and find what they want, find what they need, find the answers and the solutions to their problems, not from God by faith, but from a counterfeit system that the enemy has set up on planet earth that he rules over, by the way, and I'll show you that in the scriptures in just a moment, amen, to try to lure people further and further away from God and to become not dependent upon God as we were created to be by faith, but to become dependent upon the world system but because Satan is the ruler of the world system to become dependent upon the world system is to become dependent upon the enemy, to become dependent upon the devil it'd be like in World War II United States of America fighting Germany and us expecting Germany to provide us with ammunition. Supplies that we need to feed our troops. When we do not know how to solve problems by faith, we are left not just at a disadvantage, but we are left with only one other option. Go to the world system for the help we need. But again, the world system is controlled by the enemy. Trust me, Jesus taught us clearly that the world is not our friend, much less an extension of Him as some assume. Listen to me, please. The world is not our source. Nor is the world an outpost through which God meets our needs. God is our source. And He is our only source. And every good thing in our lives came to us from Him. And if you're sitting here trying to argue that it came from the world, it's, it's, it's really revealing the very thing I'm trying to say to you. It's the devil deceiving us into thinking that the world is supplying our needs and, and desires and solutions. 
when God is the one. We're talking about chance, probability, luck, playing it safe, hedging our bets. All of these things are part of the devil's system that he has set up, this counterfeit system that he's set up on this planet. And for too long, we have tried to put one foot in the world system and one foot in the kingdom because we want to try to draw from both. What can it hurt, Pastor Mark? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and should never expect to receive anything from God. That's what it hurts. Let me give you some verses. Before, before I do, let's make this quick statement. It is either, according to God, according to the Word of God, it's either God's ways which are the ways of faith or the world's ways which are the ways of chance. The devil's system is a system established upon probability. Upon the, the, the best possible option to give you the best possible result. The greater the chance of a successful outcome, then the more peace that we have, the more hope that we have. And, and, and all of these, but remember we said last week that that kind of peace, that kind of hope is peace as the world gives. That's not the God kind of peace. Let me give you a few verses to back this up. First of all, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus speaking, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is just speaking of the money, basically, but money is, is the de facto God of this world. But again, it's, it's just, it's, it's the devil disguising himself. Any trust that you put in money instead of God. In other words, there's nobody else. You understand what I'm saying? You're either trusting God or you're trusting the enemy. Are you, are you understand? Oh, help me, Jesus. This is not coming out like I thought it was going to come out, but it's okay. It's coming out. Amen. Are you with me? We need to wake up to this, church. I'm telling you, this is, this is, we're exposing the enemy. And this is, sometimes we flow, sometimes we plow. Amen. Sometimes we do a little of both. He follows it up with verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, Jesus went... If you notice the connection here, He explained that you can't serve two masters. Two masters, think of it as the head of two systems. God is the head of, you know, our Heavenly Father is the head of, of, of His kingdom in the earth, but Satan is the head of the other kingdom. You can't be loyal to both. You can't be committed to both. You either got to get in one and out of the other, or you got to get out of one and into the other, but either way, amen. But see, this... Probability says, well, just hedge your bets, play it safe. 
and work the world system and try to work God's system at the same time. It simply will not work. Do not worry about your life. What is he talking about here? Fearfulness, anxiousness, anxiety about the things that we need. Food, water, clothing, shelter. And then Jesus asked that question at the end of verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, weren't you created for much more than just trying to make sure your belly's full and you've got something to put on you and your children to wear? And the answer is yes, you were created for an infinitely higher purpose than that. That's called survival. We were not created by God to survive. We were created by God to rule and reign. Two Wednesday nights ago, I said something crazy and I didn't explain it. My darling wife, as she so helps me, she said, what was that whole comment about you would rather him listen to rap music or rock and roll music than that song that's being played on the radio right now about being a survivor? Here is what was in my heart and mind that I did not say two weeks ago. There was an episode when Brother Kenneth E. Hagen senior was with his son Kenneth W. Hagen or also known as Junior when his son was just very young and they were talking to a man in the church that, that, that there was respect for and that man all of a sudden just out of nowhere started talking bad about another person in front of Brother Hagen and his son and Brother Hagen made this statement. He shut that man down. He said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? How dare you talk like that in front of my son? Much less in front of me, but, you know, in front of my son. You ready? He said, I would rather you use four-letter words and cuss in front of him than speak evil about somebody else in front of him because if he heard you cussing, he would know you were wrong. But he's not old enough or mature enough yet to know that it's wrong for you to talk about another brother behind his back. See, if you swap it over to a secular station and hear some idiot talking about heathen stuff, you're going to know that's wrong. But if you listen to you know, a Christian radio station and some guy singing, I'm a survivor, I'm a survivor, and, and, and hailing survivorship like it's something to be aspired to in the body of Christ, you may not know that's wrong. You may welcome that into your thinking and sing it all day. Survival is what the devil's system offers us. Jesus asked the question, were you not created for more than surviving? Is there not a higher purpose for your existence than simply getting enough food and shelter and clothing for your family? And the answer is yes. All right, let's keep going here. John 14, 30. I will, Jesus speaking again, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus identified Satan, the devil, as the ruler of this world. How about this? 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the world, but is, of, is not of the Father, but is of the world. I don't think I read that right. Let's go back over it. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen to me now. He's saying if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. The Bible also makes a multiverse case for if your trust is in the world, your trust is not in the Father. If your hope is in the world, your hope is not in the Father. In other words, if, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. But if, you, if your faith is in the world, the faith of the Father is not in you. If your hope is in the world, the hope of the Father is not in you. There is a, there is a substitute, as we said last week, a counterfeit for, for all of these things in the devil's system. For all that is in the world, not some of it. He didn't say 80% of what's in the world is, um, is, is of the world, but 20% of it is of the Father. No, he said all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. How about John chapter 7, verse 5? For even his brothers did not believe in him. We've covered this before, but very quickly. Jesus was fathered by the Holy Spirit. So Mary was his mother, but Joseph was not his father. But after Mary gave birth to Jesus, of course Joseph married Mary, but after she gave birth to Jesus, they then gave birth to other children. And his brothers, half-brothers you could say, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. James wrote the book of James, didn't believe until after he saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so even his brothers, verse 5, did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. Why could the world not hate them? Because they were a part of it. They were a part of it. All right, one more verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. We have the greater one. We have the greater one. Now again, it's either God's ways, which are the ways of faith, or the world's ways, which are the ways of chance. The Bible teaches that we are in the world, but not of the world. The world offers people survival, and many people on planet Earth think life is nothing more than survival. Satan presents the world to us as the answer to our problems when the world is actually the source of our problems and the very thing we've been given faith to overcome. I told you dysfunction in the body of Christ is when we're trying to be like the world, we're, we're in the world to change. We're trying to be like something that we're supposed to be changing 
It'll never work. Let me finish this. Are you okay? That was kind of weak. Before I read this last point, let me tell you what we're doing. And again, I thought this would have gone faster tonight, but that's okay. The point that we have made and now are continuing to reinforce, and this is just one piece of a, of a big picture, of a big puzzle, is that the devil is trying to contain your, trying to contain you by containing your faith. He knows that if you don't know, if you don't know what to do with your faith, it's going to be very difficult for you to receive much of anything from God. And he knows that in order to really deceive us, he's got to offer us something that looks like faith, seems like faith, smells like faith, acts like faith, convinces us in so many ways that we're in faith when we're really not. And we're exposing that. The Lord spoke to my heart, remember, end of last year. He said, he said, my people have put their confidence in probability instead of my ability. Probability, chance, instead of my ability. Now, the reason Satan fears faith so much is Faith sets you free from depending on this world for what you need. Think about that now. If you know how to operate in faith, all of a sudden you're no longer dependent upon this world and this world system which is ruled over by the devil if you know how to operate in faith, faith will set you free from being dependent upon this world system, not just for what you need, but it'll set you free from this world system and being dependent upon that system for what you want, for the answers, the solutions that you're trying to find. You alone in your own strength and intelligence are no threat to the devil's system, no threat to him, no threat to his system. But oh, my brother, sister, oh, my friend, you operating in faith are an absolute threat to destroy his system and set lots of other people free from it. This is why the devil has tried so hard to develop a counterfeit for faith that seems and feels so much like faith that the average or casual believer cannot tell the difference. The question the devil is asking himself, how can I get them to doubt without knowing they are? Is it too hard for you to imagine the devil trying to come up with something that so resembles faith and seems so much like faith that most people think it is faith while that same substitute for faith contains within it hidden doubt. 
And that something, as I've told you over and over again, is what we're calling probability. All right, stand with me. I want you to draw this, I want you to draw this definitive line in your heart tonight, okay? Jesus drew these hard boundary lines for us. The devil loves soft boundaries. The Bible, even in Proverbs, he talks about how offense on a property line, a boundary, creates peace amongst men. Because, number one, it defines whose property this is, whose property that is. It keeps the kids from riding go-karts on property that's not theirs without knowing. It keeps cows from grazing on property. In other words, the boundary is a blessing. Yes? I'll show you a lot of verses about that. Anyway, boundary is a blessing. Jesus came to do that same thing for us spiritually. Again, when he says, the man who doubts in his heart should not expect to receive anything from God, you can say amen or oh me, but he just drew a really hard boundary line for us that we need to understand. It's not to curse you. It's not to hurt you. It's not to, to offend you or set some bar so high you can never achieve. But it is to let us know this is how this works. And, and unless you understand it and operate within this, you're going to be on the outside looking in when he never meant for you to be on the outside looking in. Another, this is unre, it's related but unrelated. Remember, he, he told his disciples, he said, look, you're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground here. He said, you're either helping to bring in or you're helping to scatter. You're either part of the answer or you're part of the problem. Again, hard boundary line. We like to think, oh, we're hanging out in the middle ground. We, we're somewhere in between the two. You know, we'll help here, but, you know, maybe sometimes we'll do this. And No, no, it doesn't work that way. It is either God's ways or the world's ways. It's not both. It's not both. It's either God's ways or the world's ways. God's ways are the ways of faith. The world's ways are the ways of chance. We need to purpose in our heart that we are not participating in that chance-based system of the world, but we are allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us how to function in the faith-based system that is God's kingdom. And if you haven't noticed it already, the devil is not happy about it doesn't want you hearing any of this, understanding any of this. He wants you to keep on living by chance, leaving things to chance, and calling it faith. When the Bible clearly tells you and me to take hold, and the, one of the more popular statements in the world today is, um, you know, let go and let God. 
If God says for us to take hold and, 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 and church people are saying, let go and let God. When, the, when God says whatever you bind on earth having already been bound in heaven will be bound in your presence. Whatever you loose on earth having already been released in heaven will be, will be released in your life and in your presence, right? And yet those in the church say God's in control. See? What we don't realize is we're allowing the enemy to give us all of this religious Christianese, this religious jargon, and we're taking those words and we're applying it to his system and, and we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that what we're saying is somehow faith. And that is not faith. God is in control is not faith. It may make you feel a little bit better about your situation. It may help you get a little bit of sleep at night. But again, Jesus said the peace He gives us is not as the world gives. That's peace as the world gives. Will it produce hope? It's really not hope. I can't wait to preach that sermon. We'll get there. Amen. Most of what people in the church today are calling hope is not really hope. It's wishful thinking. It's wishing not the same. I don't tell you that to offend you. I tell you that to encourage you that there is a real hope that does not disappoint. The world's version of hope does not lead to rest and it will disappoint you and we've all been there. Amen. I love you. Are you, are you getting anything out of this? I, man, I'm... This is burning in me. This is burning in me. I'm, we're gonna, I don't know, maybe next week. We, I know you're standing. But I'm going to tell you where this, we see, these, we see these two systems in operation in Cain and Abel. Abel went the ways of faith when he gave God the best of what he had. Cain went the way of chance, the way of the world. When he gave God an offering, but he did not give him of the best of his fruit, he decided to keep the best and take his chances. Right? I'm not going to give God my best. I'm not even going to eat my best. I'm going to take the prettiest watermelon, the biggest watermelon, the juiciest watermelon, and I'm going to save the seed from it so that I can plant those seeds next time and take my chances that I'm going to have a bumper crop of watermelon next year. So why did he give God anything? It wasn't an offering of faith. It's the first time we see somebody doing something that looked like faith, but the real motivation was not because he believed in God, not because he trusted in God, not because he put his life in God's hands, but because he had bought into a system of chance and he wanted to give something to God in hopes that that would make his chances even better. And there's a lot of folks in the church world today that are doing that same thing. 
They got both feet in the devil's system. They are living by chance. They are not living by faith. But everything they do towards God is to make the chances of a successful outcome in a system under the devil's rulership better. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for opening our eyes to the truth. Father, it's not enough for us to understand these things as generalized principles, but Lord, that you would help us personalize, internalize. Father, that, that the next problem we have, and some, got one, some folks got a pressing problem right now in their life. Father, that, that we would look at that problem and say, this mountain's going to move by faith. This problem, this obstacle, this, this, this issue in my life, I'm not going to a system ruled by the devil for answers to this problem. I'm going to my Creator Father who loves me with an unspeakable love. I'm going to use my faith to fix this. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your life and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Sunday. Amen. Other days in between, you'll be blessed.